Welcome to Chapter 2 of HealthSystemCIO.com's interview with Michael Marino, Chief of IS Operations and Clinical Systems at Providence St. Joseph Health. In this interview, Dr. Marino talks about the interesting dichotomy in managing relationships with both big vendors and small startups, the challenge in managing the expectations of clinicians who are tired of hearing IT leaders cry wolf, and his biggest concern as the health IT industry moves forward. Going forward, what would you say are, are really some of the biggest priorities on your plate, looking at 2017? Yeah, I, you can kind of put them in two buckets. We have the core things that we need to do from an integration standpoint because of the merger. Mm -hmm. But I think more importantly, um, the technology space is rapidly changing. We're looking at innovation partners where people have been using EHRs now, depending on the hospital, um, for 10 years. And that's great, but people need other things to change the care. Yeah. And at the same time, consumers don't want the Marcus Welby experience anymore. They want care where they want it, when they want it, how they want it. Yeah. So you can't do it one way, so we're having to make sure that we have the technologies to support that, right? So patient engagement platforms that expand on the original portal idea that was an MU driver, uh, telehealth, both physician-to-physician -physician and consumer-driven, being able to do something, and it sounds simplistic, in every other part of the world except healthcare, but to schedule online. Yeah. I change my flight on the fly in the airport on my cell phone, but I have to wait on hold to go see my PCP once a year. Right, right. So working the merger, but at the same time working all those different fronts to truly change healthcare for it to evolve. And we've got to do all that at the same time. Yeah. And I think the interesting thing for, um, you know, leaders in informatics these days is not only do you get to deal with core companies, you know, like Meditech or Epic that have been in the space for a long time, but you're dealing with startups and trying to manage those relationships. St. Joe's has a couple investments in, you know, small companies and partnering with them. And it's much different to manage that relationship than, you know, work with a behemoth like Epic or Meditech where, you know, they're very structured. So you've got to be agile and be able to work in both spaces if you're going to be in leadership in IT these days. Yeah, that, that's interesting, something what we're definitely hearing more about. And is that primarily in dealing with innovation partners? Yeah. You know, and it's a different expectation, right? Because sometimes you're investing in those, sometimes you're not, but they're um, much more um, new in the space. So a lot of times you're helping them versus, you, you know, you go to IBM or Meditech or Epic, you're just buying something, right? And they're yeah. delivering you something that they delivered to 100 other people. But the, the organization doesn't, doesn't shy away from working with startups, even though, like you said, it is, it is a very different experience. No, we've definitely not shied away from it. <laughs> and then um, as far as things like predictive and prescriptive analytics, I imagine that's something you're either working towards or really looking at very closely. Um, prescriptive, uh, I think, is still evolving. Predictive, we're actually doing pilots with two different companies today that are you know, about to launch this month. It's kind of a timely question. Oh, okay. Um, and it, it, it's been interesting because, you know, healthcare and St. Joe's in particular, we've spent years 
gathering data and sitting it in big data farms, data lakes, whatever word you want to use, but haven't done much with that other than, you know, core finance things or simple clinical things, but partnering with predictive analytics companies that have their own kind of social databases and then will apply your data up against that and trying to differentiate, you know, social determinants of health, how does things map in your community, you know, this neighborhood, the likelihood to be readmitted is different than this neighborhood. I think that's exciting. I think that's what people expect that we're doing because, you know, that's the big data experience you get everywhere else. Right. You know, if you search something on Google and you're an Amazon Prime member, Amazon will try to sell it to you the next day. Oh, yeah. That's very effective. (laughs) With the pilots, are you looking at certain uh, disease states or um, certain patient populations? Right now, with the one company, we're looking at trying to predict if somebody's likely to code or deteriorate. Okay. So that's the sicker part of our population in the hospital. And then the other company, the first pilot, is looking at predicting if people are likely to develop a pressure ulcer. Okay. Because when you're in the hospital, I mean, we do the normal interventions so that you don't end up with a bed sore. But there are lots of fancy interventions you can do, and you want to make sure that you're applying the fancy interventions to somebody who's at risk, but not to everybody because some of them are annoying. And I used the example when I was talking to somebody the other day. You don't want to be on a pressure-changing mattress if you're not at risk for a pressure ulcer because it'll disturb your sleep. Right. But if you're likely to get a pressure ulcer, which is devastating to the patient, it's a horrible experience, Maybe it's okay if we mess with your sleep a little bit to save your skin. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that really is is exciting when you're talking about that. And one thing that I can imagine might be a challenge for leaders is to really be able to temper expectations somewhat of clinicians who who really want to push forward and be able to get these benefits of all the data that's been collected. Is that the case? Uh, Yeah, and I think the clinicians are a little tired of the experience of, you know, we're constantly saying we're going to use the tools, but, you know, we've been collecting data for years and this is the first time we've delivered something to the bedside. I think the difficulty, and we did a lot of due diligence trying to decide what to do, and I'll give you an example. With the one company, I had conversations with colleagues that had used the company, and the one company is called Javion. Um, They got some interesting models, and one of them literally predicts with pretty good certainty whether you're at risk for a heart attack in the next six months. Okay. And uh, I talked to a colleague at the University of Mississippi who used it and tried to apply it. The difficulty is there's no science about what the intervention is, so it drove the patients and the clinicians crazy. Right. So the science is getting pretty sharp, but what do you do with that crystal ball experience if you don't know what the intervention is. Right. So do you really want to know that you have an 85% chance of having a heart attack in the next six months, but the doctors don't know what to do to keep it from happening? Right. So they, they had a lot of doctors running around putting people on medications, taking them to the cath labs, but none of them were definitely a prevention for this overall prediction. So it's an interesting space right now. You want to be in it, but you, you don't want to know something's going to happen that you can't fix. Oh, right, of course. 
And, and it, it's understandable, like you said, how you know physicians have been hearing about this for a while and changing their workflows, and, and they want to take that next step, but it has to be a really deliberate process. Right. Well, and I, it, you, you want the value, right? I'm asking them to check boxes or use certain language so it's capturable and codable with the promise of being able to change care. They're just getting a little tired of us crying wolf. And I'm sure you can understand that uh, with, you know, being a physician. Yes, which is nice because then I can commiserate, right? Yeah, <laughs> sure. And, and one other um, piece I had seen was the, uh, the mental health initiative, which is really interesting and, and something that um, we've been calling for, you know, the industry's been calling for, for better access to mental health services, something that uh, to me sounds like really a step in the right direction. No, I, I think it's exciting and it, it, it's a great goal. So we're kind of tackling it on two fronts. So on the more technology side, it is one of the major parts of our um, telehealth offerings between ourselves and Providence. You know, being able to do remote psychiatry in places that don't have access to mental health people because... I mean, that is a growing concern. If I put you in a room with 50, you know, directors of emergency departments and said, what's your one wish? It would be um, having psychiatry when they need it. Because most hospitals, even in, I'm talking to you from suburban Orange County in Southern California, most of the hospitals here, you know, in a very affluent place would think it would be easy to recruit doctors, don't have psychiatrists. On the other hand, a lot of what we're doing is trying to partner with people and think about how you change that space because uh, although everybody knows it's a need, I don't think we have great tools or solutions to be able to actively affect the population. So a lot of what we're trying to do is bring people together and have the conversation and be able to support pilots or interventions in that space that haven't been the traditional way because just having more psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers and put them in old-fashioned care models, we're we're too far past that. It would take too long to train people up into that space. So how do we do things unique is what we're striving for. Okay. A lot going on with the organization and, and really exciting time and Looking back now at that uh, at that offer four years ago, um, was it the right move? Are you glad that you you took that step? Oh yeah, it's it's been a great ride and it hasn't slowed down since. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, I guess just the last thing I wanted to do is, is give you a, a nice vague question. When you think about where the health IT industry is compared to two three years ago the different direction that it seems to be taking now. I mean, do you feel like we're, we're, we're moving in the right direction? I think trying to be able to support different initiatives because that's the consumer expectation is, I think the one gap that I worry about is if you look at physician and nurses satisfaction or burnout rates in the U.S., it's really high, you know, over 50%, 54, 56, depending on whose study you look at. And, you know, number one complaints are EHRs. So we pushed people into the transactional part of IT. We really need to step up in the near future with the promise. The example I always use is it used to take me 90 minutes to pay bills every month to write checks. Okay. It Mm -hmm. now takes 
five minutes and I can carry on a conversation as I'm clicking through, you know, online Wells Fargo. Right. As a physician, I've been at Doc for 25 years now, I guess. You know, I used to be able to fill out documentation for a hospital visit or um, a clinic visit. I'm a pediatrician in minutes. That same transaction in an EHR, it doesn't matter who the vendor is, takes two or three times that long. So it's been the only application of technology to an experience that's added time. Technology has always improved most experiences. Right. So if we don't deliver, start delivering on that, I think we're going to have a revolt with clinicians in the very near future. Right. And any advice for other CIOs, especially CIOs who don't have that, that clinical background on really how to be aware of this and, and you know, maybe, maybe take steps to, to ease that burden? Yeah, I, I think that the push from the marketplace is to get more and more data from the consumers and respond to the consumer need. If you don't care and feed the core people doing the work and respond to their needs, eventually you'll have a revolt, right? You've got to feed and water the horses. Right, right. You, you see some people just driving more and more stuff, and it's like uh, you're going to break the system. You, you have to balance responding to the consumer and caring for the providers that are taking care of the consumer at the same time or it's a break. Yeah, that's a really good point and, and one that I don't think we're seeing out there. So that's something to take to heart. Okay. All right. Well, I know you have uh, a lot going on, so um, I think that answers the questions I had. And I really appreciate your time, and I think that your perspectives are going to be uh, very, really beneficial for our audience. So thank you. Great. Thank you so much for taking the time. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.